0: uh so are we gonna talk about design today finally i got some notes
1: i got notes but every time you go bob you change the whole subject yeah that's
0: true (laughs) i might i might
1: how's it going i'm going good i'm going good i got all three of my videos done remember last week we talked (laughs) yeah three videos i did three videos
2: I watch one, and then, like, the next day, another video pops up. I'm like, whoa, Jimmy is is putting out.
1: Everybody thinks... A couple of guys call me. They're like, are you desperately trying to, like, regain your footing on youtube i was like no i just had three obligations that came together at the same <laughs> why yes i am <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's we've been doing that for the last eight years trying to regain our footing on youtube yeah well we know the uh the
2: cpms go up in november and december for christmas so that's true now's a good time to put out a bunch of videos oh that's is that true. true
1: you know after all this yeah. time i never really paid attention to those those uh those patterns that's good to yeah
0: know. oh absolutely so they go up around this time of year they drop To basically zero in January and February, Mm -hmm. and they start kind of climbing back up until summer when they drop again, (laughs) and then they start climbing back up. Hmm. Yeah, maybe
1: I'll put a video three videos out a a week. I'll just keep going. The videos are performing okay. They're a little above average for you know where we're all at, or at least where I'm at in the in the cycle of YouTube life. Yeah, doing okay. And like I keep saying, I'm just adding. I'm just adding to my library of content, anticipating something changing one day, one year and just having a a big bulk of content to be able to do something with license or whatever but uh they were all paid spots so whether they perform or not i made some pretty decent money on them and i'm really happy with the with what i made so that's good too yeah
0: that is good i mean that's the important part right
1: yeah and uh what else and now i'm <clears throat> I'm going to go work at the Graveyard House this week. I don't think I'll have a video out Saturday. I think I've earned the right to take a Saturday off.
0: <laughs> no, you set a precedent. Three yeah. videos mm-hmm. a week from now until you die. That's the way it
1: goes. <laughs> oh, God. I could probably do that, actually. <laughs> oh, please. just have don't. to stop talking to people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm making my leather bags. That's kind of a behind-the-scenes thing. I'm also going to start I think I might have told you this Maybe on the after show last week I'm going to start creating some exclusive content Just for Patreon Because there's lots of videos That are going to be 10 of 10 No matter what I do No matter what So I'm just going to put them on Patreon Because they're still good content But YouTube algorithm doesn't like them And the best I could do Is just keep making cool things Because it's a good document Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm going to start So I have a a video about me making these bags Which would probably get about 8 views on YouTube but I'm going to show that on Patreon. So I'm working on a couple of videos that will only be on Patreon. And uh, just chugging along here, getting ready for the winter. It's starting to get cold. I walked uh, the dogs this morning. I have the dogs here, so I'll keep muting myself. They're going to bark as soon as the housekeeper shows up. And uh, I walked outside, and it was snowing out. Woo, yeah. November 1st, it starts snowing. It's crazy. It's like, why does wow. it have to be like that? Why can't it change? Why does it have to be like that? it's whoa everything is covered ground? in snow here what
2: yeah yeah Crazy. that's dumb Dumb. Yeah,
0: the it was october yesterday
1: yeah it was october yesterday not
0: yeah but speaking of happy anniversary oh, it's oh anniversary. that's both. right is it 12 yeah. years now 14 years
1: uh,
0: 155 16. years we've been doing this podcast plus 16 yesterday.
1: yeah
0: yeah uh yeah 12 years I think it's really nine how long has it is it did, did we actually figure it
1: out i think, I think it's, it's already, nine i think it's nine. nine yeah golly that's crazy that's unbelievable I'm, i must like really just like fig- you guys <laughs> <laughs> i still feel like we're just figuring this out yeah absolutely it, all of it like everything the podcast the whole thing yeah youtube
0: huh did you guys go trick-or-treating to celebrate last night
1: yeah i hung out in woodstock new york there's lots of woodstock if anybody knows woodstock new york from the concert the woodstock concert is about 20 miles away from me and uh, i went over there with some friends it was it was fun the whole town get some good
0: get some good candy uh
1: yeah of course of course and and the whole town turns into uh and the funniest thing that was i was we had like pizza at the south door thing me and some friends and hanging out and kind of right in my eyes view is a zombie, a guy dressed up as a zombie and his wife dressed up as Barbie and they were kind of like right in my eye view the whole time and I I didn't see them at all paying attention to me but as I was leaving the zombie comes over to me and he goes, I have to say something I'm a huge fan (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I didn't see him paying attention to me at all like and, You're uh, like, no, this is a costume. Yeah, yeah. I'm a costume <laughs> of Jimmy DeRust. <Dureston. laughs> My name is Derek. I'm dressed up as Jimmy. <laughs> I said zombie. He was dressed up as a mummy. So he had like a full mummy oh. suit on. Well, See, so so I, I was making like a zombie
0: noise. Like he was going to like yeah. eat your brains. Like he, that would have been have mummies funnier. Eat
1: brains too. So, But the reason I <laughs> ended up is because I was looking at his, his mummy costume and looking about like how it was made. It was really made well. I, it was something he oh. bought but because uh, it was like a tag on it. But it was really well made. And like there was a zipper up the back. And I was just. Like deconstructing it in my mind the whole time the conversation kind of diminished diminished, and then I would go back and I keep looking at his and then all of a sudden he walked over to me thought he was going to be like, why are you talking? Why are you looking at my zombie costume like that, bro? <laughs> mummy, mummy costume. <laughs> come
0: it's funny because those two things are not interchangeable. Although I guess if you think about it, like the mummies from movies are zombies because they're dead, yeah. but then they come back. So, huh? interesting.
1: Yeah. Mummy. You knew mummy. something I'd I had never even thought about mummy and Daddy. No, so it was it was a good night, and then and now I'm back, and I have I have the dogs for a couple days, and they're gonna go bananas a few times. So I'll do my best to mute them. Occasionally, yeah, when fine. they hear noises outside, one goes, and then they all go. I have three, mm. so they're little, two little ones and a big one. So that's Crazy. it. And then well, uh, what am I going to work on? The Alan Teeter house. That's the the road. The house is on the uh, the graveyard house. I'm gonna go work on the graveyard house after we're done. I have to start setting the the sill plates for the the extension that I'm restoring.
0: So question about that. Mm -hmm. Um, As the weather changes for you, Mm-hmm. That house that house is very exposed. I would assume it's still very exposed.
1: It is. It is the foundation so is that, wall is beginning to get closed up actually. So it's
0: Are you I mean is that going to slow you down or are you going to kind of take a lot of the winter off or are you just going to keep trucking through the cold as weather? As long as
1: there's no I mean the cold doesn't bother me as long as there's no snow and ice I can keep moving along. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it should be but okay. But I guess it the heat it is affects
0: off concrete and things like that, so if you had to do um, any work like that...
1: Yeah, no, we're doing... The whole uh, the whole extension is a, is a stone stack. The last oh, couple right. of uh, yeah. rows of stone are usually set in mortar to keep them from shifting. But the fact that they're setting mortar, all we'd need is like one warm day, you know, above freezing, I think would be fine. Gotcha. And then the weather is so, uh, is so variable that we could have... Two eighty, three eighty degree days it's like so weird up here this time last week it was it was 80 degrees yeah like seven days ago
2: and it's now it's like 39
1: year. degrees it's yeah it's the craziest weather it's 35 degrees right now which is crazy to me yesterday it yeah. was like 70.
2: thanks obama <laughs>
0: <laughs> well what are you what are you doing in the snow did you play in the snow this morning david
2: no, I, no. So I've been doing a morning walk, at least one mile, sometimes two miles every morning since mid-July. And I skipped today because of snow. And if you're listening oh. to this podcast in the future, it is November 1st. It mm. should be at least 50 degrees outside and not snowing. So, so,
0: so what's your plan for the cold weather in regards to that, to keeping that snow yeah. shoes thing up?
2: <laughs> I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna try to push through it and then on really cold or really snowy days I'll just hop on the elliptical and mm. but I, I've uh we've, we've got a really good routine and uh, it the, the morning walk has become just part of my morning I wake up and I'm usually walking within five minutes of waking up it's just like before I can even think about not wanting to do it except today of course uh, I just I just do it. And then a little 10 minute walk after lunch, a little 10 minute walk after, after dinner and then fasting. So no food after eight and then no food before noon. So usually a 16 hour fast every day. And my aches and pains, what I thought was arthritis was probably just inflammation. Like my feet and back feel so much better. And I'll also, interesting. Uh, I've also been doing this barefoot shoe thing. It's like a minimalist shoe. I've had a lot of foot pain over the last few years, and so I bought special old people shoes. But and um, like just a lot of money on on specialty shoes, and, and then I, I watched a couple videos on, on on how that treats more of the symptoms and not the cause. So I went completely barefoot and then started doing foot exercises to strengthen strengthen my feet. And that has changed everything. I feel so much better. So if you have sore feet all the time, um, you might want to look into barefoot shoes, but it takes a long, it takes a a few weeks to, to get used to barefoot shoes. You can actually uh, injure yourself if you just jump into it right away. So the shoes are perfectly flat. They're really flexible and the toe box is really big. So your toes don't, touched the, the end of the shoe they look goofy but they have changed my life and hmm. so i don't know how i how i got on to that but that's uh um lifestyle changes and actually yeah, new routines yeah
0: that's great that's yeah.
2: amazing and speaking of new routines we got the keys to our rental house so that has congratulations thank you thank you thank you that is it's so freaking exciting we had the, mm. we got the keys i, I just want just... i
1: want to clear that up you actually own it you're buying it so that you can rent it yes yep because and... when i i had my house and i would say oh yeah i rent it all the time people are like why don't you just buy a house why do you rent one all the time <laughs>
2: <Uh-oh>.
1: <laughs> i don't know I, yeah. it's my house i own that i rent out for income so that, that was a conversation i used to have all the time
2: well, i should uh, come up with a better phrase or a better term for it so it's not confusing yeah call it rental property Rental. Because there it sounds like you, know, you oh, know, yeah, it's all professional. Yeah. yeah. So the plan is to not. It's going to be a short-term rental, and it's going to be a slow build over the next year. We'll rebuild all the furniture, and so I can't rent it out until I build all the furniture. So it's uh, it's super exciting. It feels like it's going to take forever, but I think that's that's part of the the fun of it. And so the very first project that we're working on right now is there's no places to sit. And there's a little bar from the living room to the kitchen, so I'm building two bar stools, and they're coming out really nice. And I, the next Friday we're going to work on this bent wood lamination seat for it. And I, I, there's a, I'm trying to make plans for this as I go, and a lot of the furniture I want to, I want to do plans for, so there should be. A whole lot of plans in the future plans have been a very good source of income for me for the last 10 years but i rarely make them now because they take so much time so i'm trying to figure out how yeah. to streamline that into my workflow yeah
0: yeah i just thought not to go on that topic at all but to go back um it would have been really cool if you had saved the Simon thing for the barstools, because then you could have had Simon bar stools that you have to play by sitting on it and then
2: <laughs> the But yes, <laughs> uh, that's a yes. terrible idea. <laughs> oh yeah, um, imagine how the how the beauty shots would look on on that. Oh, yeah. just like butts moving <laughs> and wiggling around on it. Yeah, yep. Well, oh, well, somebody else can have that idea. Yeah. All yours
0: That's cool man. That's exciting. Yes. That's pretty great. Uh let's see for me. What have I been doing? I went to LBX. I went to the Lightburn conference. That I was like there's this big block of time that I'm missing and it's cuz I wasn't here. So, uh I got invited to speak at the uh Lightburn conference. It's kind of a users conference and there were about I think they capped it at 500 people, so it wasn't huge. It was a nice size. Um Matt said to tell you hi, David. He missed you, and he was really hoping that you had been there. Oh. So um, uh, he He's he's an employee of Lightburn, correct? Yes, he is. That's, I'm not exactly awesome. sure what his position is. But, yeah, he was there kind of running the whole thing, and it was good oh, to see, what's him. Up, Matt? I see him in a while. Um, but I got to meet a lot of the, not all of the dev team, but a lot of the dev team. Uh, they were all there. I just didn't get to meet them all. And they were super hands-on. They were, you know, always around. They were in a lot of the talks. They did a panel where they answered questions for users. And these are... This was a really different kind of audience or, or attendee group because, you know, the things that we're used to going into are, are more general, like, type of person event. They're, like, makers, you know, or woodworkers or whatever. So they're a type of person This was users of a piece of software. And so they do have a lot in common because they still, they all owned lasers and they all use those lasers to make stuff. But, you know, the the intent behind what they were doing and how they got there and what they did with it and whether it was a moneymaker or a hobby or... it, It was a really interesting... It felt like that place was a little confluence of a bunch of things that just happened and cross over in this one little spot. But, you know... It wasn't the same as going to the other events, not in a good way or bad way. It was just different. And I didn't know what to expect as far as who would go to something like this. And the only common thing really was that they had a laser and that they were users of the software. And so it was kind of neat to be there and not really know anybody. I know a few people, um, but to just be an attendee at something. And I did speak... But the rest of the time, I was just kind of walking around. I went to a couple classes. I did a podcast uh, with um, Alan from Repcord. He was there. We got to hang out a lot for the first time, which was really cool. Great guy. And got to spend some time with Bernie and Chad, who mm-hmm. are two of our awesome patrons and good friends. And One uh, of the many Chads. Yes, one of the many Chads. They were both there and, and got to hang out a lot with them, and that was really cool. Got to see Jen Schechter. Spent some time with her, with Winston Moy. Hadn't seen huh. him in many years. It was good to see him. Really, I think that was, no, uh, Gil was there. And I'm trying to think. I probably knew one or two other people other than like Matt. But of 500 people, I didn't know that many people. And it was
2: kind of cool. I don't know. It was nice to go <laughs> go somewhere and just like, you know, be a part of it. I, um, I see a lot of videos come up in my feed about make money with your laser, make money with your CNC. Mm-hmm. And which is, uh, I'm sure, very possible. But have we hit the bubble of where lasers and CNC's are a little bit more common and affordable? And can you still buy one thinking that you can start a business with one? I think so.
0: Yeah. I think there are, and in fact, I did, a, my talk was about making the most of the machine that you have. Um, and not just about making products, but end to end you know how do you how do you think through coming up with ideas for products all the way down to making your own organization for your shop making your own packaging making your own you know like templates making templates for other people all these different ideas and it was the point was to try to kickstart them like they probably bought a laser thinking I'm going to make tumblers or I'm going to make puzzles or whatever and so I was trying to help people understand that if you can pick a an area And think about it a little bit differently and look for problems to solve. There's a lot you can, more than you can do with it than what you originally thought. And I think that translates to, you know, the number of people there, the number of people that have machines that are getting these machines. I think there's a lot of opportunity for them to be used in many, many different ways. Um, And so I think there are still businesses to be made and products to be made. In fact, yesterday... (laughs) <laughs> I was at a, a local juice bar. So a friend of ours owns this juice bar here in town. And I was talking to her about, you know, hey, would it be helpful if I made you a little carrot? She has these bottles. She juices stuff. She puts it in these glass bottles. I said, would it be helpful if I made these little carriers for you to be able to put these in so you can organize them, you know, or whatever? And I was just trying to be helpful. And she said, actually, what I really need is this. And so she starts telling me about how she has hundreds of these bottles and they need to be stored in a certain way and a certain place. And, and it turned into she had a really specific need and she did not have the tools to accomplish it. But I was like, well, I mean, I can make that happen like this afternoon. Like we can be done with that and then your problem is solved. And it was all laser work, you know. It was like super easy, sit down and Illustrator for a few minutes and, and you're done. But I think it's one of those things where, to answer your original question, I think there's a lot still to be done with that type of tool if you go looking for problems to solve. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big, big thing. So, um, But the event was really cool. Uh, you know, I met some new people, got to talk to a lot of people. I had quite a bit of time just to go to a hotel room and watch TV, <laughs> which what? I know sounds kind of lame, but it was really <laughs> nice. I watched yeah. Karate Kid by myself in a hotel room. That's so funny. And I was just like, this is this is really cool. Eating a bag of chips on a hotel room bed, just like watching TV. And I know that sounds lame, but man, it was nice you to relax. You probably weren't
1: even worried about crumbs <laughs> either, right? I wasn't. I care. slept
0: in those crumbs. Mm. <laughs> it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter at all. It was a good trip, though. Um, and so I did that. That was, you know, the weekend. That was Thursday to, to Sunday. And... Let's see, what else have I been working on? Oh, so here's a it's I guess it's a complaint. I don't know. Here's a thing I'm doing that's not a lot of fun, but I hope somebody else can feel my pain. So we're trying to explore moving our online store from one service to another. I don't know if you've ever moved an online store from one service to another. Oh, you have your hand up, yes. David. I in just want to
2: say I yes. have been looking into it. <clears throat> and okay. um I'll let you finish, but <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. I'm, 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 I'm gonna let you finish, but let me let me talk for ten minutes first. um There is there's a couple services that will go from one to the other, and I went through mm-hmm. the whole like filling out the service form to see, and it was like yeah. you have too many transactions. You need to speak to a representative and do something custom, which in my brain sounds like thousands of dollars. Yes.
0: I followed one of those paths as well. And by the time I got a quote from it, it was going to be $2,800, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was just a general... That still wasn't a very specific like person looked at the file and figured out whatever. So what I did find, though, is that we're, we're looking at moving to Shopify. And I'm not sure that we're going to. I'm kind of testing it. The
2: same and they us. have a lot
0: of tools... Okay, so they have a lot of tools to import things. And so I... It, it'll allow you to do it. We have 30,000 transactions in our store. And that's where the, it's not the products, it's not the customers, it's the transaction history. And so they have a limit of, oh gosh, I don't remember. It's like 5,000 transactions, and then you pay 50 bucks a month and you can do 10,000 transactions. And so I'm like, well, I'll just do that one, and then I'll run the import a bunch of times and it'll just bring in all the things. Well, it turns out it counts the transactions from the very beginning, even if it's already done them. So that won't work. It just keeps trying to import the first 10,000. Anyway, mm-hmm. I've been trying to figure this thing out. And I've been spending this extra time outside of all the other stuff that I should be doing on trying to get this thing moved to see if it will work. And it's beginning to feel very, like, you know... A black
2: hole of time kind of thing. Have you thought about... Uh, so af- after I went through this, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just eat it and I just start over fresh. I have thought about that. Because what we could do uh,
0: is is import the products only. That's easy enough. It's already done. Leave the old store read-only somewhere. And so if you have purchases and you want to go back and see your, you know, download your files or whatever, like... Go to com, And then the new stuff just all starts over. And that would be easy enough to do. And in that, we could kind of break some things. We could say, you know, we don't necessarily have to worry about all the weird custom variation stuff that we built before. You know, you have really two separate entities. but And it may get to that. But right now, I'm still trying to see if I can make it work. Hmm. But I've been spending a lot of time on that. That's the only reason that came up. So I've been doing that, doing some modeling, um, working on a project. When come you say out. modeling, are you talking shirtless? Not, not like, uh, n- no, no, I keep my shirt on, obviously. Um, it's hand modeling, so there's no reason to take a shirt mm-hmm. on. No, I've been doing some Fusion 360 modeling and uh, working on a project that will be out in a couple weeks. And it's interesting because I'm trying to make this one for myself, but with manufacturability built into it. You know, So it could be something that I could make on the laser. It could be something I have somebody make for me. And I think that came from being at this Lightburn conference and talking to some people about how they... People who don't make content as a as an end product. They just make a thing and they're designing a thing with the intention of selling it from the very beginning. They have a really different perspective on what makes a good thing, right? It has a whole different set of constraints about being able to be cut out of materials that are inexpensive to get, that you can get uh, consistently. And so it's just a whole different set of, of like requirements that go into it at the very beginning rather than just like I want it to look cool or I want it to do the thing and then work backwards from that to like can I repeat this a bunch of times. So taking a little bit different tact on this one and I don't know if it'll come through in the video or not, but I'm spending a different amount of time uh, in the modeling process trying to make sure that I'm using materials that are consistent and checking for tolerances. I've been printing these little tolerance things on the printer to make sure that, you know, the tabs will fit in the slots tightly and stuff like that. So it's been kind of cool. But that's pretty much what I'm into. And last night we went trick treating and I walked around in my Optimus Prime helmet. Nice and the uh, hobbit feet some people were asking me the I hobbit saw feet,
1: that on instagram this morning they did,
0: did very well but apparently uh were really uncomfortable they were like the minimalist shoes that you were talking about mm-hmm. there was just like a rubber flat mm-hmm. bottom and he did not like them so <laughs> he walked around for a while and then he got kind of sore
1: but <laughs> they were gross though that was funny <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
0: totally absolutely All right, so we're going to talk about design today? Yes.
1: You had a specific question.
0: I did have a specific question. Man, I've been talking for a long time. So my specific question is, I went to art school. I started in graphic design, and then I realized pretty quickly that what I actually wanted to do was computer design, not necessarily like logo design. And you know designing layouts and things like that is more what I was starting school as, and then that changed and whatever. But now that I got through school, I learned a bunch of the basics. I learned a bunch of color theory. I learned a bunch of like you know how to draw things and life drawing, and I have a good artistic base for stuff from school. But when it comes down to I'm trying to find a good example, since we're on video now, I can show things. When it comes down to here, this logo. This is not a particularly good logo, but it's a logo that was near me. So, this logo right here, there's an icon, and I can look at that and I know why it's good or bad. I know how they got to it, I understand how to execute it. But getting to that thing from that, you know, mm-hmm. blank, there's a big black hole there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a skill. That's not, and I know this isn't true, but I'm saying, I feel like it's a skill that's not teachable. I feel like it's just this natural, like, oh, I just like, I have this inspiration for a logo and I'm going to draw this, whatever. I know that's not the truth. So, tell me how to do that.
1: <laughs> I can give you just a little bit. I'm, I can give you a little bit about, uh, sure. I, I took a logo design class, a corporate identity class, which is one of my favorite classes at school. I took it at the very end. And my teacher, was, his name is Joe Finicaro. I don't know if he's famous or anything anymore. I haven't really kind of lost touch with him. I did see him at the museum one day. I was like, Joe, you remember me? It was like 10 years after school. And he remembered me anyway. He was um, very successful in that world. Pre-computer in in our class, we had to make our logo big, like 12 inches. And that was a brand identity logo that would go right beside the the title. And then you'd have to do the lockup. For instance, he did prudential insurance. He did that logo. It was like a get a piece of the rock. And he, they went through like a redesign. This was in the, in 1989. And he was showing us a little bit of that. Like he swore us all to secrecy because nobody was allowed to talk about it, but we all looked at the the new corporate identity. He only showed us like the day before they were about to to reveal it. So it wasn't that big of a secret, but the, uh, the new identity where they redid get a piece of the rock. And it used to be like a real, like photograph of a rock. And then it went from like a graphic representation to, and then even a more graphic representation. But when it comes down to doing a corporate identity for anybody, even if it's another maker or somebody, I always like to, for instance, I give you my process and I learned it through Joe is, see what, what is the one definitive thing that might be throughout whatever that subject matter is. Uh, for instance, get a piece of the rock was their slogan. So they wanted their logo to be a rock. Uh, what is the thing, you know, Bob, if it's you, it's like, uh, what is it? It's, it's tech and your logo that Forby did is tech. It's tech looking. And what do you do? You make stuff, you make tech stuff. So your logo is a real good marriage of tech visually and M for I like to make stuff, right? And uh, I think you got to do is you basically just start writing down words. Mm -hmm. What are these words? You you just start by writing down words. Like, what are all these things? You do a list. You try not to edit too quickly. Just do a free flow. Write down words and then start zeroing in on words and what those images begin to make for you. And it's all just pen and paper. It's not the computer just yet. I think you really need to do pen and paper for a, a little bit and then... You know, whatever that process is for you, it could be a couple of days, it could be a few minutes, and then you go to the computer and you start playing with fonts, and then you start figuring out what is that image, again, this is for corporate logo, where you would have the name, and usually a little icon, and... Also, what's important is that how, how does that icon shrink? How does that icon look on a computer these days? I mean, that wasn't even a conversation when I was in Joe's class. But what does okay. that look like on a web page? What does it look like on a business card, which nobody uses business cards anymore? But what does that logo look like when it keeps reappearing? How does it look like as a watermark on your photographs? You have to start asking yourself, and, and that's one of the biggest problems with maker logos is people will do a saw with crossed hammers with a little tiny house with a bird because you owned a bird and you, you, know, you have a little picture of your daughter's <laughs> name in the corner. And then all of a sudden you shrink it down and it's just like a little muddy mess. Yeah. And uh, that's part, partly due to Joe's training. That's why my logo is just a set of fonts because it looks really good tiny. I mean, it doesn't look so good tiny, which is why I don't put it on the ice pick. I don't put that logo, I don't put the, the the stencil logo on the ice pick because it doesn't look good when you stamp it. It looks like a bunch of little squiggles. So that's why I went to uh, New Times Roman for the ice pick. And now that's sort of my classy logo. It's just a font solution. It's not a real logo. It's just, but when you begin to impress it over and over and over again, people begin to realize, oh, that's his logo. But it's really just a font low setup. And uh, I, the one thing I don't have, and this is kind of uh, something I've always considered, I don't have like an iconic shape that people would see that shape and be like, oh, that's Jimmy. So it's like always just, yeah, it's just always yeah. my whole name. I, I've tried in the past to make it just the D from the logo, but that doesn't really work well. It looks incomplete. I have the, uh, the icon of the man. He's stuck on my computer, but the... Uh, the guy in the stained glass window is another one, but again, that gets a little muddy. That kind of happened by accident, but I do want to try and come up with like a one mark. It might be too yeah. late at this point, but
0: I think people rebrand all the time, and so I think you could, especially, add to your branding.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, I, yeah, I just haven't been able to come up with that one thing—that's that one symbol. But I, I, to, to the simplification of all of my mumbling is, you really got to start with. The person you're working for, what is it that interests them? What do they want to say? And you just write a bunch of words down, and then from those words, see what those images start to to, to turn into. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you know, font is a big part of it. What does that font mean when you see wh- when you see certain fonts? What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. What what emotion is evoked from certain fonts? What era do those fonts look? You know, when you think about When you think about fonts like Helvetica, you know they were designed in the 30s and 40s, and it still looks like brand new font. It's crazy how timeless some certain fonts are. New Times Roman, you know, lots of serif faces. You really got to just start looking through that and see what emotions are evoked from that. You know, like for instance, my logo is the stencil font. I liked it because it reminded me of the military and the idea of kind of ready to go, action, fast, quick. Those are all the things that evoke when when I see the stencil font, and that's kind of mm. why it kind of gravitated. I gravitated towards it. So
0: we'll, see, it's we'll, interesting. All so, these
1: different emotions that that go into play. It's kind of it's almost a gut feeling.
0: Yeah. So I took you know branding classes as well in school, and those are all things that like I I know all of those things, and I can look at like I was saying, I can look at a logo and tell why it's going to work or not work, and I can. You know, I, I, squinting was the thing we always did in class. So if mm-hmm. you're working on a design and you want to see what it looks like small, or if you want to see how the colors translate, you squint at it <coughs> and you keep squinting and get fuzzier and fuzzier until it goes out of f- focus and you can't tell what it is anymore. And that was kind of a gauge of how far away is this logo going to work, or how clouded does it can it be before you lose what it is. You know, and other stuff. And so those types of things, I. Uh, I think I get, but, and even sketching, sometimes I can kind of sketch to an idea, but I think it's the translation, and you said something that made me think of this, it's kind of the translation of, I have a rough idea to I have a finished idea that looks nice, that is executed well. And I think there's like a technical iteration you just got to keep iterating i think but i think in there for me there's a technical missing component like i just don't know how to execute a logo idea that i have well and i think because i often start on the computer that technical thing gets in the way and makes it more frustrating rather than starting on paper so you're right about that like i I wouldn't have thought about it that way but i think you know what i mean i think the missing skill on the computer stops me from making
1: well artists. it's funny because when computers design first came out in and it was in the early 90s when i was working at a toy company i remember talking about this on here recently that the our artist went from paste up in mechanicals which was touchy-feely to computer and everything he brought in looked like it was done on a computer it looked like it was just cut out images out of magazines and stuck together it looked horrible but he hadn't developed that's like, uh, <laughs> my housekeeper just came. Get it. Hold on. Dave, Talk. take it, Dave.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> first of all, I will say that I, I took the assignment wrong. I thought we were going to... So most of my notes are about layout and design. I do have a oh, couple... Yeah, I mean, that, that yeah, too. Go and so I went to school for graphic design. I graduated with a degree in graphic design. I wasn't the best graphic designer, and that's kind of why I transitioned into web development. But like you, I can see what is good and what is bad. And sometimes I have trouble coming up with my own. Um, actually, I think one of the logos I'm most proud of is actually the Making It logo, how all the letters mm-hmm. line up perfectly with the little ruler tick marks. That's one of my better ones. So Jimmy said most of the things that I wanted to say, and it does start off with, paper and pencil there's something that's a little bit more magical about the physical like not even don't even use a a, a stylus and a tablet like physical yeah that's that's paper. what i
1: was going to say that's a, before the dogs interrupted me is that this artist he wasn't doing the pen on paper first he was jumping right to the computer and just making collages in the computer and it lost a little bit of that human feel now mm-hmm. now i think we could kind of short circuit that now we have to 25 30 years of using the computer but in general that was the initial thing and then you know if if you're not used to hand drawing solutions you might lose that a little bit so that was my point that I was making before the dogs bark. but Dave go ahead
2: I I think and Jimmy kept using the word emotion and emotional and that's really really important because that it should make you feel something and to get there that's that's the that's the hard that's the thing that's really hard to teach and i think it just comes from experience but as as we were saying it has to look good small it has to look good big it has to look good in color it also has to look good in black and white cuz you never know mm-hmm. maybe there's yeah. there's going to be print and a lot of people skip that part a lot of people who don't know skip that part
1: yeah so if we're talking about logos usually less is more less is more it's got to be so simple you don't so want to tell simple. every story you don't want to tell every story like remember the old business cards you get from somebody and on one corner be double crossed hammers a saw in one corner and uh, it, you know a, a, a T square in the other corner, and you'd be like, okay, you could just put the word carpenter, or you could just literally put <laughs> a hammer. Like you know, there are certain there are certain icons that mean everything to that subject. Mm-hmm. And if you get down to the root of that, what it is, it, the other thing too is if if you're a designer, or an artist, and you give out a business card that just says one thing, it gives you a little bit more liberal movement where it's like oh can you build a wall well i don't build walls well you have a T-square and a hammer here well i only really build bathrooms like well, then put a toilet or whatever so <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely put a toilet on your business yeah they, plumbers, usually plumbers do it with plumbers do it with pipes you know whatever some stupid slogan yeah. you, Plum,
2: when you uh, if, if you look at somebody who draws figures they don't start with like the eyes and get all detailed with the eyes and then do the rest of the part you see you see big ovals you see squares and i think you have to break that down into its most simple form. So i think the best so and then, is, and then yeah.
1: zero it in and and That's even to get to okay, that so that can i can i
0: go on that for just a second please so, one of the things that led, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but one of the things that led to this is I was looking for a new hat and I just wanted a hat that had a cool design on it. And I didn't really care, I don't want it to be brand or whatever. And so, I started looking for hats and I was trying to decide as I was looking through these different designed hats, like, why do I like this one? What is it that's interesting? And so, I ended up with this one, and it's just this company I found that I'm not attached to in any way whatsoever, but it's a nice, simple icon. Is that paragraph? It's uh, They're called tripine. It's like three trees. Mm-hmm. And it's just a simple iconography for, for anybody that's only listening. Um, some mountain. It's like a mountain range, single color mountain range with three little trees in front of it and then three colored stripes underneath it. And so uh, if, uh, if I had sat down on the computer and I had had, if I had this image in my head, and I tried to design this from what I saw. I would not be able to execute it quickly and I would get frustrated, whatever. But, like you mentioned with the shapes, so if I had sat down and thought, well, I should make, start with some triangles and overlap the triangles to get the general proportion of these mountains to the trees, and then, you know, start to refine those shapes, if I'd gone that way about it, I probably could have gotten close enough to this to where I could at least start to design over top of a sketch, or I could have given it to one of you all and said, hey, make this look nice, you know, or something like that. But I think I'm skipping that type of step, the thing that you just said.
2: There's a step even before that I think you might be skipping too. A lot of times we have that one good idea and we want to execute that idea. I think you need 10 good ideas that you can sketch out and then narrow it down from there to Maybe, yeah. maybe there's two or three and then you, you take those to the next step where you're doing the shapes and stuff. And then when you it's can visually important. see, yeah, you can, yeah, it's gotta, important
1: to people get a gut instinct and they go right for the idea. That might be your final idea. Mm-hmm. It might be, but you really need to take a different path, a few different ways to try and get to the same solution just to explore. Cause you really, if you just take that gut instinct and go for it, you might end up with something that's low hanging fruit which is just that gut instinct that you have is the same gut instinct. If if you're not in a competition, it doesn't matter. But in a competition situation like in class, for instance, I'd give out an assignment, and then that gut instinct 10 people have, four of them are going to be exactly the same. So that's why it's really important in that type of environment to spread your wings and go out a little bit, look around, come back, come back. You might come back to the same idea and say, every idea I came up with isn't as good as my gut instinct. And that's okay, but it's important to run around a little bit look and see the different types of things. When I say run around, I mean run around in your brain. Explore on the internet, Google image search, walk in the store. If it's a subject matter, like for instance, if you're designing something maker-related, go to an aisle in the tool store and look down that aisle and see what jogs your inspiration. You might find inspiration in a tool that isn't the tool you're working on or the, the subject matter you're working on, but... You know, there are certain iconic images like the anvil, the hammer, you know, certain iconic images that come up again. And I, it's funny, I, I, re- I was talking about now that we're visual, I forgot that I had this logo here. This logo was born out of and its I didn't really design it. It was born out of you guys remember there was a clip art clip art line art company that was selling clip art about eight nine years ago and they reached out to a few youtubers and they asked me to promote and one of the things they said was show our website we're trying to sell our website but grab something and make something out of off the clip art and so i grabbed this icon i changed it around a little bit i added the stained glass was another graphic that i added to it it wasn't involved with it at all that was because i had to make a stained glass window so i took this icon my first version of it was It's the, it's the guy with the hammer and the anvil and he's holding up the word I make. And it was just, everyone's like, well, you have like this Russian propagandist image. so I took it off this clip art site. I tweaked it a little bit and put my logo in it. And I was in a square. I think I made it in a circle. Anyway, after a long story, it's overusing it. It becomes mine. And uh, so... I, I forgot. I lost my point. <laughs>
0: I forgot where I was going. <laughs> yeah, but it's becoming. It's it's it started as one thing, and you've modified it to where it became yeah. the thing that yeah. You want yeah, to
1: use but I, I still. I mean, it's it's an image, and it's fun for stickers. But it's it's not that it's not that one thing that that I'm, yeah. that I'm looking for. I guess the point I was making is you need to iterate. You can't just always go for your gut instinct. Sure. And so then, by the way, we're talking about like logo design. We can also get into like 3D objects and stuff in a minute.
0: So I think that the logo thing is an interesting point because I, I think I would have probably better luck at um, executing some of the stuff that you guys have mentioned and some of the stuff I learned in school. If it's like, you know, I need to make, I don't know, I don't have a brand here, but here's the brand, make a logo for this brand. Yes. Then you have a well of stuff that you can pull from. What do they do? Where are they from? What, you know, what materials do they work in and stuff like that? there's actually an Aaron Draplin video that's really good about that, where he talks about a concrete company that he has to make this logo for. Mm -hmm. And he starts talking about the colors that you think of with concrete and, you know, all this, and he goes through this whole process of sketching all these ideas and then executing them on the computer. But so a brand logo is one thing that is, it's all the same thing, but that's one path. The path that with the hat, the path I got to was I want a cool image. I want a a designed... It doesn't have to represent anything. It doesn't have to translate something to design. I just want, like... I want to make a new T-shirt that just has a cool design on it. That's... I don't know. I'm making this up off the top of my head. That's um, about trees. You know? And so, there's no... There's no, like, thing it has to convey. There's no thing it has to match. There's no... Attachment. It's just I just want like a cool design. How do I get to that? I mean, I I know it's similar in that I can sketch a bunch of trees and you get some general ideas and then you start to execute them on the computer. But it's so much more open ended, and I think that's where I have a lot of trouble with uh, just designing something that's
2: just design. I think Does that makes sense. You should start. Uh, mood. I've been really into mood boards lately, just collecting ideas, throwing them. I, I use a special note-taking app to create mine. But you could just grab a magazine, start clipping things, and make it a collage of things that you like. And then you can like circle like, oh, I like how they did the trees here. Maybe I don't use a pine. Maybe I use a maple tree and translate that into... So it's... I mean, all art, all design is just borrowing from previous pieces of mm. work. So it's, it's looking... It's just collecting ideas and then borrowing in an ethical way. Yeah, right.
0: I think uh, the execution of it is probably the biggest hang-up I have.
2: The, well, there's um, tec- the, the, Then there's the technical part. Like, oh, how yeah. do I draw these curves? And And then yeah. I think... When it when you have the idea, and then you start drawing it up in Illustrator, I have started I started approaching Illustrator fifteen years ago in the wrong way, where I thought I had to actually draw the thing. But a lot of good Illustrator techniques are subtracting. You draw one thing, you draw put a shape over that, and then you subtract that. Um, mm. I don't know. I, Maybe I have some good resources to, to learn how to do that. But there's a lot of subtraction instead in making what you want to make within Illustrator.
1: It's, Illustrator yeah. is fun to play with where you start deconstructing words. If you, you spell out a word for a company, for instance, that you're working on a logo. And then start covering up parts of the word to see if you have a good, relatable, interesting image that also still communicates the words this this is more font playing around with fonts but at the same time and i keep coming back to it because i know this is a lot of the people that are listening if you have a logo with a saw a hammer a saw blade a piece of wood a a silhouette of a carpenter in the background take your logo and start deconstructing it take stuff away from it and start to see like what does it look like where does it look like a symbol that's like a nice, easy symbol that you can make really tiny, you can make really big, that looks good on a T-shirt, without trying to tell an entire life story. You want to just tell mm. one piece of an entire life story that is representative. And that's... You can start yeah. deconstructing stuff. So it's important once you come to the logo and you're like, I love that logo. Let me see if I make it a little bit more... a quicker read by taking out the thing. Do, is somebody looking at this logo and getting distracted by this thing because it's... I just like the way it looks, but it has nothing to do with my story. You know, it's 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 a process, and yeah, you might deconstruct it and go, you know what? I don't like it. I want to go back to the where it was, and that's fine too. But you got to It's yeah, the same thing a, of getting off that familiar path, and then at least exploring.
0: I'm going to put a link to that Aaron Draplin video yeah. because one of the things that he does there is he makes sure never to delete anything or even like change anything. So oh. he'll design something, and I then just he keep copies putting, it. I,
1: put, yeah, I always put it off to the side. It's always off yeah. to the side. I never he, take one he thing. Copies he copies it and it.
0: changes the copy, and then copies that and changes the copy. So exactly. he has this history across of all the iterations, which is interesting, because then if, you, if you're if you used to Fusion or something like that, where you're you can go backwards in time to see a previous version, but it's not right next to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. you I, mean, can, I guess
2: you could do that. I don't. There's also the trick of when you see something that you do like stop looking at it right away and then try to redraw it and a lot of times what you see in your mind might not be exactly what you saw but your brain interpreted it one way and what you might sketch out is something a little bit different
0: Ooh, i like that that sounds like a good exercise like like a practice that you know would get you into figuring out the things that your brain caught yeah and filling in the rest. You can That's also,
2: cool. if, you, if, you, if you've looked at it too long and you know exactly what it is, you could also wait a certain amount of time, like the next day, then try to recreate that. And I almost guarantee yeah. you it's going to be a little bit different than what you saw the previous day. Sure. That's cool. I like that a lot.
1: So, uh, um, so go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. You, you, you go. You, you bring up the Well, subject. I was going to
0: say, it's it's interesting to think about the the difference there of like what your brain is... All of our brains work differently. We have different capacity for visualizing things. Uh, My wife needs to see something on a piece of paper in front of her to be able to really get the the picture of what it is, what it's going to do, how it's going to end up looking or whatever. I have the ability to see pretty much a completed thing in my head before I... Like I'm working on this project. It's going to be out in a couple weeks. It's not super complicated, but it does have some, like, there's moving parts to it. There's pieces that go together in different ways, and there's joinery. And I can see the entire thing in my head. Before I got to modeling it in Fusion, or before I even sketched it, I can see it. I can see all the pieces. I can move around it. I can move it. I can, you know, getting that thing out of my head to the computer or to a paper, that's where it starts to break down a little bit for me. Like, that's the hard thing. But seeing it it's totally easy. And I know other people who design two-dimensional objects, who do graphic design and stuff, they can do the same thing. They can see the entire thing in their head before they ever start, and then it's just a matter of executing and refining it and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just weird to think about how differently we handle stuff like that and where the the translation part is difficult for some people at the very beginning some people it's at the very end and
1: i'll tell you my experience i was thinking about this conversation we were about to have and i was thinking about the the three videos i did this week um for instance the first video was the the repairing the tombstone but the second video more specifically was I had to make a... I, I realized I was running out of time to, to make the obligation for this ad that was in there. And they like, it has to happen in October, otherwise you don't get paid. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I need a quick, impactful video and, uh, and I say something. So I've been experimenting with pouring brass. And hot, molten brass looks good. What am I going to make? So I started thinking to myself, I want to make a plaque, something that's simple. I don't want to make something too complicated because the mold's going to be complicated. And then one thing led to another. And I'm like, oh, it's Halloween. So maybe I can make a skull with logos. And why do I need a logo? Why do I need a skull? There has to be a reason for it. And then I came to, after Google searching images, door knocker and that's when last week i said i was going to make a door knocker something came up with quick but the whole thing was dictated by something quick something impactful and i was like okay lately i've been playing with casting okay now i zeroed it in from something quick okay casting is quick okay i got to make a former which is the mold that'll be quick i can make up something easy but what could it be and then i started playing around with so when it comes to designing an object in that case Time was one of the most critical things because I needed to do a one-day video. I needed to do a one-day build. Something impactful, fire and melted metal looks cool. And then then I got to make an object. So you could see how it happened. Whereas in another time and place without a crunch, I might be like, hmm, I want to make a door knocker. How could I make a door knocker? I could 3D print it. I could send it out. I could have somebody cast it. I could make it out of plasma cut steel and just assemble it with welding. Yeah. You know, hmm, what kind of door could be? And then, you know, so I. it depends on how you get there, the path. That's why it was when the common people are always like, well, why didn't you just do this? They have no idea the meandering path it took for me to get right. to that. yeah. And same thing with the Bowie knife. It's I sent four images to Carolina Shoes, four completely different sketches that were coffin-related, skull-related, because the boots have the skull on them, and they wanted to promote them during Halloween. And I... Came up with this coffin-shaped toolbox that was all shiny silver. I was going to take well this beautiful coffin-shaped toolbox. So it would have been a toolbox that you open up and it have a tray in it. And the whole thing would have been shaped like a toe-pincher coffin. And one of the images was uh, the Bowie knife. And they said, we like the Bowie knife the most. I was like, cool. So I took the coffin thing toolbox and I made that square aluminum toolbox for my cameras. So that idea was originally going to be a coffin toolbox at a shiny, shiny aluminum that I happen to have sitting around. So the impetus for that was the shiny aluminum.
2: That's always magical when one thing turns into another thing.
1: Yeah. So the shiny aluminum was going to be this coffin-shaped toolbox. It would look really shiny, and I put images of like the shiny aluminum. They're like, "That's cool, but why don't we do the knife? Would be cool because they, you know, bring the knife videos. Sometimes tend to do well." And then when I was making the knife, I was like, okay, there's skulls, it's Halloween. Again, same thing, Halloween it happened to be the same couple of days. And so that's why I ended up with the boots, two boots, skull on each side of the boot, two skulls. And so I made the the guard have two little skulls on it, and I hand-carved the skulls with a Dremel tool, which is a subject for the after show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... A lot of times, a 3D object is dictated by circumstance. It could be dictated by the material you want to play with, the process you want to play with, uh, the uh, I have some stuff here. The t- uh, the texture, subject matter. It's really mm. it's really open. You got to really as a good designer, you got to be open to all those different things. Like when you find a cool texture, like. A, it's funny I, I years ago i dated a, a person that made clothes and every time we would meet somebody new she would reach out and like touch the corner of their shirt to feel the texture of the fabric mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, she got me doing it so like when like we'd bump into a friend and she'd be like oh i like that shirt and she just reach and touch the corner she's like i just like i just want to feel the fabric what it feels like and hmm. and <clears throat> so another another uh, good example is this leather bag that that i've been selling the design criteria was everybody likes when I make a leather bag uh, make me one I I can't sew the same thing twice and have it be perfect I'm not Hermes or coach bag maker uh, I make two bags exactly the same pattern the stitch pattern looks different the last where, where I end the stitch is going to look horrible so I said I want to design a bag that I can make a lot of they'll always be basically exactly the same they have to go together easily because if I'm going to make a lot of them they have to go together either and then I remembered my old idea where I did this tab and clip thing. I was like, let me get back to that. Tim Belcher is a fan, fan friend of mine who took that idea when I first came up with it and said, hey, can I explore this tab and slot idea? I said, sure. So when I went back to Tim, he had spent <clears throat> a lot of time and energy designing the nuances of the slot and tab, especially when it comes to parametric design using fusion. So he could make a shape, change it a little bit, and then the tabs will space themselves out correctly or the thickness will be adjusted. So I knew Tim had spent a lot of time on that, you know, from a more of a technical point of view where I don't have that ability. I said, I want to redesign this bag. I, I hand sew, sew this, this shape that everybody loves. I want to take that same shape, but do it with the link and locks. And so that was designed by circumstance as well Hmm. I didn't just say I want to design a bag that has links and locks it really came around about I want to do something that I could assemble quickly I could make a lot of it's easy to make they'll always be the same it's sort of like a Henry Ford model where I could make 10 of them in the same day and you could pick any one of the 10 and it'll be the same as any of the other nine but good quality thick leather I'm making this out of 10 ounce leather, these bags. And last night I sat with some friends in the fashion business and one of them said it's a little heavy. Uh, Her point of view is it's a little too heavy for like most women. I was like, well, I want to make a unisex bag. And I said, I also want to make a bag that's extremely sturdy, feels expensive and stands up for me that's one of the most important things is that when you use a, a canvas bag if you put it down and it just flops over on its side it drives me bananas mm. it, like, when you put it down on your car seat you want to be able to grab those handles and space right where they were before it's, an, it's another design criterion. Mm. and <clears throat> my friend at Weaver said it's funny that I'm making bags out of this 8, 9, 10 ounce leather she said Nobody buys this leather to make bags out of. They only buy it to make belts and saddles out of. It's too thick for bags. It's definitely too thick to sew on a consistent basis, but you could link it together. And so this design solution works. (laughs) I'm just using these examples of how you meander through different ways of getting to where you got to get to for 3D objects. It could be material, process, uh, idea when it comes to imagery, like again with the door knocker I could have gone 10 different ways with the door knocker I could have made one out of wood it would have worked fine could have just stopped at the wood if it was just making one of them it doesn't matter make it out of a sturdy wood that's going to withstand the elements I have a covered porch I could have made it out of any kind of wood it would have been fine most likely I think but it's the process that dictated that yeah
2: okay? I think there's a there's a reason why there's no books or no tutorials on a 10-step process to make a logo or a thing it's because like what jimmy's saying it the material the process all dictates that and then bob was saying some people are visual some people can see everything at the end and some people cannot and you have to work your way through it it's 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 a really hard question to answer how do you design a logo when it's different for everybody right
0: and I think from listening to you all it, it's possible for me in particular that I may be going too open ended on my goal I think with you know designing a cool t-shirt maybe is just too broad of a, of a thing because both of you have said that the constraint or the situational details cause the thing whether it's like you know what the company does causes the logo or or what materials you're using causes the product and so maybe i just need to set up even fake criteria for myself Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. like you know i want to make a t-shirt that has a tree that or that's like outdoorsy or that's like a car related thing or you know whatever just to put some constraint that i have to work around
2: maybe that'll help i think constraints Hmm. on anything whether it's logo design layout layout woodworking metalworking leatherworking i think the constraints starting with an open anything could happen type thing is is it's just too broad and you're just going to stare at a blank page way too long i think nailing down the constraints helps everyone at least me become a better designer yeah
0: well i think those constraints are natural then they happen naturally in a lot of situations like you know if you're designing a A machine to do a thing. Well, it has constraints built into it. It has to do the thing, Um, and so that's naturally there. And I think just when you get into the art for art's sake thing, that's where I'm like, ah, because I don't (laughs) like. There's what's the constraint? It has to be awesome. Well, that's that's not specific enough. So, yeah, I think that that will probably help me. Um, And then I really like the thing that you said about looking away. And letting your brain kind of fill in and trying to recreate something. That that sounds that sounds like a really cool thing to try. So I'm definitely gonna give that a shot.
1: You know what I used to tell my students all the time? I would say you're you're think of yourselves as inventors. Think of yourselves as visual inventors. You're inventing an image. You're inventing a communication. And that's really important to remember that you're communicating. You're communicating either with a logo or with a 3D object. And what is it you want to communicate? And a lot of times I'm communicating inspiration. and and, uh, I'm also communicating it doesn't have to be perfect because a lot of my things are. Like if you see the critical trolling and not trolling, comments, the critical comments on my knife, it's like it's not polished enough. It's not this enough. The handle's too short. But I'm not going for perfection. I'm going for an overall Like I'm going through the process when I'm not making a video and I don't have time constraints I will make the most perfect knife when it's just me alone in the forge and the grinder and the sharpening tools I'll make the most perfect knife, but here. I'm just communicating get started do it. Just stop thinking You know, I I made the joke one day. I'm gonna be I'm, I'm finally ready to be perfect what is it you're communicating with what you're working on what you're trying to say what are you trying to communicate yeah you know and and again going back to the business cards you don't want to be that one man band that has a big bass drum on his belly symbols between his knees you know like his feet connected to strings that hit symbols that hang on sticks over his head you don't necessarily want to be that guy with your communication unless you unless you really are that guy then that's fine <laughs> but you know when it comes to a business card or a logo that has you know the one-man band stuff imagery on it yeah you always want to kind of cut cut through it all and get to the root of it what is it you really want to communicate i make things yeah i'm a carpenter i'm a musician i'm a stonemason like what is the the root of that
2: the uh yeah. the Um, when I went to school it wasn't called graphic design it was called visual communication and like the when Jimmy said what are you trying to communicate that's like the most important thing and probably should have been the very first thing that was said what are you trying to communicate (laughs) yeah Right. right
1: well that's what you could if you're doing a client you could do a client or if you you know when you're making a video for instance the the aluminum toolbox that I ended up making. It went from being a coffin shape to just a practical toolbox. And then as I was making it, I said, Am I gonna make a perfect square or perfect rectangular shape? And I thought, hmm, is that boring? I was like, well I'm trying to communicate precision, right? Precision, I'm not I'm not a precision welder, but I'm trying to be. And if I make a perfect square, it doesn't have that, that humped roof or that gambrel roof on most toolboxes have. This way it's just a square. There's something sexy about a perfect square. I have a, an old Araflex camera box that is a perfect big giant 1940 square. And I always like look at it and go, ah, oh, that's like it says something to me. That perfect <clears> aluminum, it's all stamped aluminum, it's not welded. But there's something cool about that perfect square and you open it up and there's a big giant antique movie camera in it. And so that box inspired me to make this box. And that's why I put camera gear in it. It's something about that perfect square mm. that says clean it's not overthought it's just exact it's like in service to me that perfect square. And these are the types of things that these are the emotions that were coming up as I was refining exactly how I was going to do it.
2: Yeah when Jimmy says and like the
1: perfect window, the perfect square window it's like you almost don't want to see it but it's almost like a surprise that it's there. It's obviously visible but the perfect square for the bottom drawer.
2: uh, When Jimmy says, uh, you know, always be open, it's a, it's a behavioral change that I, you have to make in yourself to like, anytime I'm out and about, I am, I'm taking in design and I'm taking in, I like that element. I could be at all, I could be at, at target and i am still absorbing all the stuff that i'm seeing it yeah. could be graphic design it could be a piece of furniture that i saw it could be they have yeah. target has these weird freaky looking mannequins with no faces and i'm just like those things yeah. are so <laughs> freaking cool i want one for for my own yeah. but yeah. i'm always it's always being open and it's it's a hard thing to say and teach because it's a behavioral thing that you have to teach yourself
1: yeah yeah you always have to be open you always have to be curious always be more input more output more input better output you got to remember that mm. yeah you know, like it always boggles my mind when when somebody who is an artist is just does not pay any attention to anything around them and i'm like you know you're not doing your yourself justice by just like i don't know looking into your phone or whatever it is yeah you, know, you can look into your phone anyway but here you are at you know for instance target there's so many interesting things to see and you know target really prides themselves on design so when i'm in a target for instance just because it came up i'm always looking around i'm like okay they're, ma- they're really making very conscious decisions about everything from the the carts they're not just buying random carts they make their own big plastic bulky carts the bag the the pos the the point of purchase systems everything is thought through so when i'm in a target i'm just like looking around going hopefully some of that Organizational branding rubs off on me. It never does, mm. but you know that's yeah, kind of the yeah. motion. So it, it's important to really be aware of you surrounding, especially if you're in an inspirational place like Home Depot, Lowe's, even Walmart. You know these places, uh, for better or for worse, are definitely dictating a lot of what we do and say. And sure,
0: cool. Well, thank you guys. That was helpful. that was fun. Um, I learned. Yeah. I learned. Some I think stuff. we could probably talk like about a specific thing mm-hmm. within that probably oh, yeah. even deeper yeah for
1: um, sure remember we decided so, we would uh, remember we used to brainstorm projects we should do that again oh yeah people always yeah. like those shows yeah I listened to uh, Mark and Sam
0: Was <laughs> <laughs> that come up with an idea. I said not it y'all can come up with an idea that
1: we <laughs> no I that listened part. to Mark and Sam uh, Sam Morell and Mark Norman comedian podcast we might be drunk and th- at the end of every show they talk about premises and they come up with they try and come up with a comedic point of view mm. like i've been thinking about you know uh, i don't know computers lately and how they xyz and then they turn it into like a bit they try and develop a bit like live on the air which is really it's interesting to hear how their design process for it comes to comedy yeah the it's funny
2: you mentioned that i heard somebody else recently uh it was actually it was mr beast he got together with uh a few other creators uh around his size and they just went into a cabin and then they for a couple days and just like brainstormed ideas for each other with each other. And I was like, man, that would be really nice to just find like eight other people who kinda do what I do. Or maybe don't doesn't Mm. do anything that I do. And we just come up with project and video ideas. And you probably walk away with years worth of projects after uh, after a weekend in a, in a cabin stuck where that's your main goal. That's yeah. my invite. I mean, that's really to interesting because let's go okay. to a cabin.
0: Cause all those people that you would, that you would be with would have a different set of yeah. input. I mean, they're going to be injecting the input they got into an idea for you. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Cool. Well, um, thank you guys for that. And I also want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters because we have a group of people that, uh, have supported the show for a really long time we always have new people coming on and really grateful for everybody this week we have a new uh big patron one of our top supporters adam grove adam thank you for jumping on at the top hello, level hello.
2: thank you uh, thank you and adam.
0: adam jumps in with crabtree creative web ranch specialties michael Manage and warren works the new janky workshop scott at dad at yourself sean beckner odin leather goods rich at Lowen designs chad's custom creations chad from mancrafting good to see you chad Works by Solo. Good to see you, Bernie. Alberts Woodworks and Corey Ward. Uh, but there's also a bunch of other people like Max, Max King of Camp Arrowhead, I think, joined up this week. He's another one of our new patrons. They all get the after show, they all get the extra podcast uh, where Jimmy's going to tell us how much he hates Dremel tools <laughs> this week. <laughs> and
1: uh... that's absolutely. <laughs>
0: There's sure. always I, secret, I unique, different stuff in the after show. Uh, all the patrons get that at any level. So if you want to join that group, go to patreon.com slash making it and join up. We would greatly appreciate it. All right. What do you guys have to recommend this week?
1: Oh, I have a, a really, this popped up and I watched maybe five or six of them in a row. It's a, mm-hmm. a YouTube channel called Big Company let me see I never even went to their channel page I just keep following one after another big company they're uh, they only have 283,000 subscribers which obviously is a big deal uh, seems like a new company but it's all about the history of of how automobile companies get started it's amazing it's the tragic story of the dodge brothers how a poor boy created mercedes-benz how a poor korean boy created hyundai the tragic story of bentley the disturbing history of porsche uh, how warren buffett made his fortune it's not all car related but it seems like yeah. this person the orphan boy who created rolex i haven't watched that yet hmm. and that's all the movies uh, it's only the company this channel's only a year old and these videos are great the poor farmer that created walmart and it's it's amazing it's like I, I, we talked about how can somebody start a small company i talked about it with this leather bag as my subject matter how can somebody start a little company and then in a hundred years ago, you go, oh he was just making leather bags for tool makers around the neighborhood and then one thing led to another now it's a giant billion dollar company like hmm. how does it go from that to that and then for instance he says <clears throat> the tragic story of bentley who was a, a guy who was designing motors got into the company and then you know because he kept needing money he kept taking and then all of a sudden he worked on the factory line he was no longer the owner or he started a brand that kind of took off without his and then same thing happened to Louis chevrolet he helped start a company chevy motors out of racing a lot of these car companies started because everybody had a had a big uh, passion for racing and then one thing led to another, and he was like bought out of the company, and at, like forty years old. He worked on the assembly line, and died penniless. It's like crazy. Wow! So this is just this is just great stories about things that we always wonder how you got there. Same thing, like you see a beautiful logo, how did you get there? How did you get there? So, yeah, I just started watching the one on Ford this morning. Big company. I'll send you one of the videos.
2: Cool. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I all my uncles and my dads, they always talk about the, uh, (laughs) just, there's just one dad. I I got you. But they, they always talked about all the cars that they used to have that they still wish they, they had. And I think about that all the time with my, when I went to school for graphic design, all the textbooks that I had and I kept for at least 10, 12 years, but then I needed the money sometime early in the 2000s. So I sold all my, all my textbooks and I wish I still had them because, Um, there's a classic typography book that I should rebuy or whatever, but I collect books. I love books. And this book is called 10 principles of good design by Dieter Rams. And this isn't necessarily my pick. My pick is more about Dieter Rams list of 10 principles of good design. And you can just go look it up and you can see the 10 things. And it's, Basically, I'm giving everybody homework to do for my my pet. <laughs> Just go look and see what those what those principles are, and use that and and bring that into your into your projects. Cool. Um. Well, mine
0: is a new video. We were talking about this before we started recording. New video by Peter McKinnon, where he talks to yep. the guy's name is Renee. Richie. What's his last Richie. Um, Which I've seen him on different videos talking about YouTube stuff uh, over the years. And um, I guess they met at VidSummit and then ended up talking in a crosswalk. And so they got together and shot this video all about like audience and algorithm stuff. And it's just like a really good, it was a good reminder to me to not look at the YouTube algorithm as this evil thing that's trying to make it difficult for you to do your job you know it it is the correct perspective i think to talk about replace algorithm with audience By, yeah because it's there to serve the audience yeah, not to yeah serve that's the creator, that i think that's the, the biggest sense. thing
2: youtube yeah. is not there to yeah. serve creators it is there to give content to viewers he says yeah. it in a more elegant way but that's like the biggest takeaway that from, from that is it's not there for creators it's for viewers yeah
0: which makes it a little less like
2: you know hurtful <laughs> when something doesn't
0: do well because you're like oh well yeah it's not i mean it's not really about me you know because it's easy to forget that in our position so anyway it was a good video i mean peter's videos are always you know fun to watch anyway but it's a it, it was worth watching i'm glad i watched that one so
2: if you're a creator go check it out maybe it, it's a, it makes me hurt a little bit more because when i make a video that fails that means my audience didn't care for it we're not on the same page
0: yeah, yeah, but at the same time like my audience is a weird is a weird thing to try to define for yourself because in with the algorithm trying to serve viewers, you don't really have an audience. Mm-hmm. It's not about you having an audience, it's about audience having creators that they <laughs> like to be mm-hmm. fed and I, those are maybe it's semantics, but I think those are <laughs> a little bit different, you know. It's it's easy to get real like these are the people that watch my videos. So I want to make things for them or I want them to react in a certain way. But like those people actually change all the time. And like those people don't always get the opportunity to watch the video that you make and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. You guys got anything else for this week?
2: Mm, I'll, you know what? In the after show, I'll tell you, I went, I went to vid summit and I'll tell you why Mm -hmm. I hated Peter McKinnon's panel that he was on. Ooh, (laughs) okay Mm. i'm curious to hear this
0: cool well thanks for listening everybody and uh we're gonna go so i can hear (laughs) David's.
1: one last thing yes yes i talk about what dictates a design the other day my local friend uh, came into the shop and he saw the aluminum toolbox he goes that's awesome he goes you know what i have i have two four by eight sheets of aluminum diamond plate that was accidentally delivered to my shop. There's another fab. He makes beautiful metal work here. And he said, I don't, I didn't need them. I don't I only use steel. I never use aluminum. I was like, I'll buy them from you. I don't know what I'm gonna do mm. with them, but I'm getting he just texted me the last three minutes. He's gonna bring them over today. I'm buying them from him. Four by eight sheets of polished wow. aluminum decking, like you'd see like on the tread of a uh, on like a step of a car, or like a step of a like the the bumper of a fire truck polished aluminum he said they're highly polished they're really beautiful
0: so. okay so not to be morbid but yeah. you should make your own coffin out of diamond oh, that, goodness. Goodness. that would be that would be goodness. awesome that's a good goodness.
1: idea that's a good idea so i'm gonna make an aluminum coffin this is why
2: we should have our little camp where we get together and just give each other ideas
1: <laughs> yeah and so jeremy's gonna bring that over later. cool
0: all right thanks for listening Thank everybody Bye. catch you next time you gotta say it louder they didn't hear
1: you I love I love you